Here's the big question this show answers. How do we leverage technology and human science to positively impact our personal and professional life? The tech human experience has the answer. Here's your host, Inc. 5000 tech founder, neuroscience junkie, and Navy SEAL wannabe, Javier Guerra. Hello, my fellow tech humans. Today's guest is a seasoned IT leader with a unique background in technology and military service. He spent 22 years in the Royal Canadian Air Force and now manages multiple IT teams at USAA. Please welcome Jason Routier. Thanks for coming, Jason. Appreciate your time today. Uh, excited to kind of dive in here and, and talk a little bit about your experience and uh, you know, see if we can help our listeners with some advice. Did you know, uh, you know, to get started, did you know that according to a report by the World Economic Forum, 50% of all employees will need reskilling by the year 2025 as automation and digitization transform the workplace? Jason, what are your thoughts on this? Well, thank you for inviting me, Javier. I'm looking forward to the conversation. And uh, I'm actually surprised on that question that it's not more than 50%. I think that uh, from what I'm seeing out there is that um, technology as it develops more and more, is it's accelerating change. And uh, I would expect even more than 50% in, in that time frame will have to consider upskilling uh, to keep to keep up, essentially, and not just in uh, the technology fields, but in in other fields as well. Because I think as you see these new technologies get implemented, it, they affect much more than just technology. They affect a bunch of industries that have not maybe traditionally uh, focused on technology itself. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's with all the automation and and now with you know AI and and all of this different intelligent technology that's coming out it's just disrupting every facet of business right and and one of the things that you know one of the sayings i don't know who said it but but i think it, it completely makes sense is that if if organizations don't believe that they're a technology company now like they're not going to be in good shape because i odds are there's going to be a smaller more nimble organization that's going to come in and take take their market share because of uh, some sort of technology that they're leveraging to provide a better service or just, you know, deliver their market products better. So absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's fascinating to kind of be in the middle of all this right now just to see all this change happening for sure. Agreed. And I think part of the, the key to understand too, is the acceleration of that change. We've known for a long time that technology has increased the pace of change. Uh, but I think that what, what's happening, what I'm seeing now with these new tools like artificial intelligence and machine learning, it's actually accelerating the change even more. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, where sure. we had horizons of, you know, major technology changes every five to 10 years, that's going to shorten quite a bit, I think, in, in the very near future. Yeah, it was it was very surprising. And I've been waiting for it, right? Because I'm, I'm, I have my ear to the ground constantly looking for better tools or better ways to automate. And when chat GPT came out, it was just like, wow, like this is really good. And it's, I didn't expect it to happen that fast. So absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, with people that aren't ingrained into technology as much as you and I are uh, of, you know, if they really truly understand how powerful it is that, you know, what's going on in their head right now, for sure. Yeah. 
So let's dive into today's topic, uh, navigating career transitions in a technology-driven world. In this episode, we'll explore the challenges and opportunities of transitioning technology roles and how to succeed in a constantly evolving industry. We'll discuss the skills and mindsets needed to thrive in a technology-driven world and the importance of continuous learning and adaptation. So you've had a fascinating journey, Jason. Uh, you know, so you, you know it, it really took you from the Royal Canadian Air Force to mount, now managing multiple technology teams at USAA. What inspired you to make those transitions, and and how did you navigate them? Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting journey. Um, I think that part of my passion to join the military in the first place is I wanted to do just more than one thing. I wanted that ability to do different things at different times. And, and I, I, I wanted to take the approach of having variety in my career, but belonging to an organization uh, that really valued people and had a, a very healthy culture. And then it, I got that in the Royal Canadian Air Force. I really felt like I was part of a family. And the advantage I had is as a telecommunications officer, I had the latitude to do many different things, uh, which I loved. So I, I did everything from radar maintenance, signals intelligence, radio frequency spectrum management, uh, managing telecoms for uh, a major air force base. You know, I, I did many different things. And I, a lot of my colleagues did something a bit different where they focused in one area and stayed there in that area their whole career, still had great career progression. That flexibility to do either was really healthy uh, for our culture. And we found that balance of encouraging people to do uh, what they're passionate about. Uh, we, we saw more engagement from people in their jobs and, and just that, that made a, a, a healthy culture all around uh, nice. that was really fun to work with. So when I decided to retire from the military and start looking at something completely different uh, to do, I was looking for an organization that would that would kind of encourage that that mindset. And when I, you know, when I was posted down here in San Antonio a few well a few decades ago now, <laughs> uh, people had talked to me about USAA and and how great an organization it was. So. When I decided to move that back down to the States in 2014, I started looking at USAA and started networking and, and uh, you know, found my way on the network engineering team at the time and really discovered that that, that was the culture there too. So I've been really lucky, I think, because not everyone finds that, especially after leaving the military. So I'm, I consider myself very lucky to have found something at USAA that matches the 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 approach that I wanted to take of variety in my career and and being able to focus on different things. Uh, yeah, that's that awesome. Wasn't, the, I mean, it, oh, sorry, what was that? Yeah, no, no, I was just saying that's awesome. I know that USA has. I mean, they're just phenomenal at at, at that organizational structure. And I, one of the things that I love is that you know that's kind of part of their culture is that you know they call HR people services. They don't call it human resources. Right. It's people services. And I think that says a lot about the organization, 
right? It, it's they've even baked it into what they call their departments, right? Yeah. To be in alignment with their culture. Yeah, the focus on people is great. And you see that every single day in the decisions that are made. I mean, part of USA's advantage is we don't report to shareholders. So the decisions, we really focus on what's best for our members. Uh, and and they're challenging decisions sometimes, but uh, due to our history, I think, and our, the, the, the record we have in serving our members, uh, people really buy into our culture and mm-hmm. we have a lot of passionate employees that, that support those decisions on a day-to-day basis. So it makes for, again, a very he- healthy culture uh, at USA. Absolutely. So, you know, on, on that, along those lines of, you know, being at USA, what, what technology problems are you, cha- are you, what technology problems or challenges do you face in your current role and how do you approach solving them? Uh, so I work in workload automation, and one of the biggest challenge, I think, is convincing busy teams to, to invest the time in implementing more automation. So we talked, you know, before about the acceleration of uh, change in technology, and mm-hmm. so the, the secret, I think, for any organization will be to automate, automate, automate. Uh, you can't do enough automation. Um, there's a few challenges there. There's a, a, you know, it can be stressful for people because sometimes you get the impression that, oh, they want to automate this because they want to get rid of me. Mm-hmm. I have never found, at least in my position at USAA, I've never found that to be the case. It's more about shifting things around to automate the stuff that's automatable and focus humans on stuff that is not good uh, to automate. And there's always something that we can refocus on. So it's about reskilling and refocusing on the things that we do better as humans. Um, yeah. So I try to use that to kind of allay some concerns that people had when we talk about automation. But that, that's always a challenge uh, uh, out there. Um, once we once we have that kind of handled, though, there's still the the constant uh, busyness of teams with injects and everything. So sometimes it's very challenging to keep people committed to implementing automation. You know, automation is, is sometimes there's quick wins, but a lot of it is, is very strategic and it takes time and effort. And keeping teams focused on that is, is challenging because of constant injects that we get, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So that, that requires effort on its own is to create a stability there in terms of the the long-term commitment uh, for for automation. And when you say injects, just just to clarify, you're talking about maybe fires that come up or different things, emergencies that need to be handled or different projects that may be, you know, kind of placed on the docket, so to speak, that need to get taken care of. That's right. Yeah. Injects, okay. also known as fire drills. Um, yeah. We've yeah. had a lot of that lately because are um, because there's a lot of regulation around banking and mm-hmm. insurance and, and things like that. Um, and there's a lot of high profile cases in the news that you'll see where, you know, uh, regulators are tightening the belt in terms of, regu- uh, you know, rules oh, yeah. and regulations a lot. So that does yeah. create a lot of very high priority injects and it's, it's very constant. Um, and so that's what I'm talking about. Like th- those are easy to distract from your long-term goals. 
yeah. you have to deal with them. Uh, but in the end, you also have to balance uh, your priorities to, to make sure you don't, don't shoot yourself in the foot and stop innovating and stop implementing oh, yeah. great technology over time, because then you'll get left behind. Yeah, so that's a, that's a constant struggle for me, right? Because I'm a natural, I'm a natural visionary, right? And so I'm constantly looking for ways to get ahead of the curve and to basically skate to where the puck is going to be. You know how Ring Gretzky, Gretzky would put it. Uh, and uh, this literally just happened yesterday. Is that I I have to have my team to kind of check myself and and we we operate on an operating system to where every ninety days we're setting uh, quarterly rocks. And we're not supposed to change those rocks or those big projects without getting the, the leadership team's buy-in, right? Be and so that kind of keeps us hyper-focused. And naturally, from a neuroscience perspective and a human behavior perspective, the brain typically will naturally go off course every 90 days. So every quarter, we're coming back to kind of re reset the, the steering of the ship, so to speak. Yeah. I like that. We, we've been working in a kind of an agile methodology here with uh like quarterly planning sessions and i like the mm. quarter it's a really good planning horizon for what we do uh yeah. in in my team so yeah definitely identify with that and so you know from a technology perspective you know what does your technology utopia look like would you say and like you know like the ideal technology scenario utopia and how do you think we can get there Ooh, that's a tough one. I think that the way I look at that is it's hard to know what you don't know. And, and I'll quote mm. it a few things like uh, I admire Steve Jobs for this. Steve never really, you know, bought into asking a lot of people what they thought about stuff. He kind of thought of, mm. you know, the ideas he had, He, you know, in his autobiography, you'll see uh, he talks about career not autobiography, in the biography that was written, uh, one of them, it talks about Steve Jobs would create this reality bubble where he, he would, you know, believe in something so much and he would not accept no for an answer. Mm. And mm. Um, I think innovation, you know, is has to be steeped in that, in really believing in your idea and, and pushing it as, as much as you can. Uh, he kept, uh, he quoted often someone from Ford, I forget the, the person's name, uh, but someone from Ford a long time ago had said, if I had asked what people wanted, they would have said faster horses, <laughs> right? So yeah, uh, sometimes you got to think differently. And, uh, and once you've started implementing some of those ideas, a lot of times you'll find people will say things like, why didn't we think about this before? Or how did we live without this, right? And so when I think about, you know, technology utopia or, or the next big thing, it, it depends on your mindset. Some people are way better at thinking at these, these out of, you know, uh, out of the ordinary ideas to implement. And uh, I think the important part is to encourage them and, and include them in, uh, your circles to make sure that you have that that constant input of fresh and new new ideas like that. Yeah, and I know USA is really good at that, right? I mean, they have an innovation. You guys have an innovation center, yeah, and and it's it's just one of those great cultures that 
that, uh, you know, we, we actually, it's an inspiration for us to emulate within our culture is giving people a voice and like listening to everybody and actually pulling out of them their ideas and recommendations and then kind of taking those collectively and, and helping the organization to evolve as the world evolves and technology evolves for sure. That's right. The best example I've seen at USAA is uh, we call it a hackathon where we dedicate mm. some time. Uh, it, I think it's about once a year. There's time dedicated where people can volunteer to become part of a uh, a session that over the course of a week, you, you leave your day-to-day job behind and you focus on something that, you know, people have said, hey, I think this is a good idea. Let's work on it. They dedicate themselves to that for a week. And lo and behold, a lot of really great innovations at USAA have come out of those focus sessions. So taking the time to do Mm -hmm. that kind of thing is really important if you want to innovate. Absolutely. And and it's kind of like, you know, what I tell people is, you know how when you're taking a shower, like ideas will just come to you. It's because you're not like sitting there thinking exactly. and trying to solve problems. And, if, you know, if you study some of the best leaders in the world and geniuses in the world, like Einstein, you know, I think it was he got the theory of relativity, not when he was trying to solve the problem. He got it when he was like about to step on the bus. It just hit him like yeah. a ton of bricks. And so, you know, I, I kind of have my routine of a night routine and a morning routine of meditation. I have my own space, my closet that is there for me to shut my mind off, right? And kind of just be present and and wait for those types of things to come for me. Tesla did that as well, right? Like Tesla would sit in a dark room and just, you know, do all his genius stuff, craziness. Yeah, um, yeah so, similar thing here. I do my best thinking, I think, when I go, I do my jog in the morning. That's yeah. when I do my best thinking, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's like meditation in action. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, okay. So, you know, making career transitions, you know, can, they can be mentally challenging. I'm sure we could all agree with that. You know, what were some of the, the mental obstacles or struggles you face when switching from the Royal Canadian Air Force to corporate America? And how did you overcome them? All right. So uh, I think the biggest concern I had when I decided to, uh, to leave the military was this fear about having to watch my back. Mm. Uh, I think that, you know, you, because of that very close knit family that is uh, in any military organization, right? Because of what you do, you develop this really close knit family culture. I was really stressed out about leaving that and just going into the corporate world and, and just having to watch my back all the time and not being able to focus completely on on what I was passionate about hmm. and what I was going to do. Um, I think the secret for me, and, and again, very lucky to have found out about USAA and the culture there where, you know, when I, before I even joined, people were talking about how it, it had a family culture. Now, you know, what helps USAA is that we serve military members and their families. So obviously the culture is going to be very close to that. And I think that was the key for for me to overcome my fear is to target a company where I knew that there was going to be that close-knit family culture that helped me kind of focus my my search. Um, There were other companies that I had 
you know, good intelligence about the, the inside culture. Um, so USA wasn't the only one, but it's definitely the, the one I targeted the most because I had good contacts within the company and, and was able to find out a lot about more, a, a lot about the culture. And so for me, the, like I said, the, the secret was, uh, trying to find a, you know, contacts within companies that I could learn about the culture and make sure I targeted the right ones, not just randomly. Right. And that reduced the stress quite a bit when I started learning about uh, the culture within the companies I was applying for. So leveraging your network. Right. And, and that's oh, yeah. something that key. that's something that I still struggle with. Right. And I think we all struggle with that is that like uh, so many times, you know, I would consider myself an expert at, at this type of about mindset and just un, you know being able to leverage different resources to build companies or whatever. But still, I find myself thinking, or not not so much thinking that I don't have the resources, but not even thinking about the resources that I have at my disposal all around me, right? All the technologies, all the people, all the friends, all the family, all the, the people I know at these different corporations. If I want to accomplish something, if I would just sit down and, and write down all the resources at my fingertips, I could get to whatever I'm trying to accomplish much faster, or I could solve a problem much faster and a lot of times people, I think, struggle with, with asking for help or, or That's just right. going and getting advice and that triangulation. But it's so powerful. If you study the most successful people in the world, that's what they do. That's what they, they have board of directors. It's a triangulation method of they're, they're just bouncing ideas off of each other and then they're coming to a better solutions by, by using, you know, the two heads are better than one method, so to speak. Yeah. And, and you're right about the people are reluctant to ask for help. Mm -hmm. uh, to various degrees, I was actually more comfortable asking for help. But what the challenge I had to work through is I'm an introvert. And so mm -hmm. it took a lot of energy for me to reach out yeah. to my network and, and leverage that. Um, I think what helped me is I left the military before knowing that I had a secure job at the, mm -hmm. at the, at the other end. So that yeah. I kind of did that on purpose because it really made me focus to come out of mm -hmm. my shell as an introvert and, and really push for making connections. And, and my, you know, between leaving the military and joining USAA, my network expanded tremendously during that time because nice. I, I made the effort and took some risk, you know, kind of sticking my neck out and reaching out to people and trying to connect. And I was very, surprised that the amount of um, engagement I got from asking for help and asking to connect. Uh, people were very engaging, uh, not just mm -hmm. US, from within USAA, but across uh, the different types of companies that I was reaching out to. So I think yeah. being a veteran it also helps because there's a level of trust there that's implicit in our culture in Canada and the US both. Mm -hmm. So that helps a lot. Uh, but I would say even outside of that, don't be shy to to expand your network and leverage it. People are people want to help. Yeah, absolutely. I was you took the words right out of my mouth is that it's that's exactly what I was thinking of is that people, they generally want to help. And it makes me think of the story about Steve Jobs. I think he he reached out to the guy at Microsoft. I'm forgetting Bill Gates. I think he maybe reached out to Bill Gates when he was like 12 years old, called him on the phone. He answered and he's like, hey, I'm building some computers. I need some spare parts. And Bill Gates ended up giving him the spare parts and gave him a job at Microsoft. 
and that's how he really kind of started getting get his feet wet in in you know corporate technology so to speak yeah but 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 yeah i mean it's people want to help and it's just we need to take the actions and, and take that first step so that's that's good stuff um so you know b- your background in the royal canadian air force and you know the, the ability to transition into different roles, you know, multiple times, and in, in being at a, a, a pretty large organization and, and very uh, well-established organization that has a lot of their stuff together in a lot of areas, right? Um, and that keep, keeping that in mind, how do you achieve peak performance in your work? And like, what role does mindset, environment, and technology play in that? I think for me, the the key thing in my career has always been listening a lot. (laughs) Okay. Listen a lot before you do stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it depends, right? There's a balance to achieve. Sometimes decisions need to be made uh, quickly because there's a short uh, mandatory due date or, or something like that. But as much as I can, my, the success to my career has been based on listening to my team and my colleagues Mm -hmm. and asking for opinions and, and getting as much input as I can before I make a decision again, based on priority due dates and and all that. Uh, But I I think that's been the most useful skill that I've had in my career is the ability to reach out and not assume that I know the Mm -hmm. right answer right off the bat. In fact, I'd rather assume that I don't, and I want to, you know, I want to get some input and, and sometimes it, I go with the, you know, my gut feel that I had in the first place. Uh, but a lot of times I learn something new with those inputs and I, you know, I change my approach based on that. Um, and, and again, achieved great success uh, with that approach. Yeah. And I could actually do an entire episode on this, if not multiple episodes, but but there's a great um, there's a great framework that comes from MIT that I've actually been through a a training or a certification process through, and it's it's uh, theory U the uh, and there's there's four levels of listening in there, and it really talks about the different levels of listening and kind of the state of consciousness almost that you need to be in and, and able to be able to effectively listen, and uh, it's pretty fascinating stuff, and it's um, it's kind of weird to me that more organizations or more leaders or education systems don't teach like deeper listening skills because it's extremely powerful, but we have to get out of our own head, you know, without, without getting out of our own head and our own frame of ego of thinking that we know everything. It's very difficult to listen, right? We're typically listening just to respond or we're listening and we already think we know where they're going and we already think we know the answer. But listening is actually much, much more of a um, complex skill, so to speak. That's right. right? It's not as simple as people think. There, there's yeah. a there's a lot of skill development in that area that I think we all could benefit from. Um, and and I think a part of the key there is to be humble, because you ha- yeah. you have to be humble to re- to to have that mindset of constantly, Hey, I may not know the best answer here. I'm going to go ask people's opinion and and things. What I'd say though, is that you have to be careful, right? You have to balance that because there's the, the, you know, the whole concept of analysis paralysis. Oh yeah. You can't get into that situation either. Right. So as with most things, you have to, you have to achieve that balance of get, get input, but it, you know, don't, 
wait too long because then you're going to be starting to uh, delay key decisions or affect the, the nimbleness of the, of the business. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jason, you know, thank you for sharing your career journey and insights with us. You know, if, if listeners want to learn more about USAA, you can go to USAA.com and, you know, be sure to connect with Jason on LinkedIn. Uh, he, he's at www.linkedin.com slash IN slash Jason Rotier. Rotier is, is spelled R-O-U-T-H-I-E-R. We, uh, web addresses and social media handles will be in the show description and listeners, you know, be sure to reflect on your career journey and write down any mental obstacles or struggles that you may, that may have held you back. You know, just do that right now. Take out a, a piece of pen and paper and just write down, you know, maybe a few mental obstacles or struggles that may have held you back in the past or maybe currently holding you back. And also be sure to write down ideas of how you can overcome them and make faster progress towards your goals. Help your fellow humans. Also, please help your fellow humans share this podcast, leave a review and follow me on LinkedIn and other social platforms at Javier Guetta 360. That's J-A-V-I-E-R-G-U-E-R-R-A 360. Thanks again and see you next time on the Tech Human Experience. Thanks for having me, Javier. It was a great conversation. The Tech Human Experience 